one of the more rare opportunities for us on the OHL podcast this week to have on a guest who is currently coaching in the league. He's the head coach of the Peterborough Peets as Rob Wilson makes time for the show. Hey, it's great to get your time, especially mid-season. Thanks very much for joining me. Oh, no problem. Pleasure. Pleasure. I, I got to think, I mean, just off the hop here, is it the stuff of, you know, dreams really do come true? A guy that used to play for the Peterborough Peets comes back a few decades later and coaches that very team? Yeah, I guess, I guess it is. Um, you know, I, I played three years in Sudbury and in the summer that, um, you know, uh, I, I wanted to play my last year somewhere, somewhere different. And back when I played, as you know, I mean, Kitchener's always been a, one of those franchises too, but Peterborough was one of those places that everyone wanted to play. And uh, so I got the opportunity to get traded in the summer at the OHL draft to, uh, to Peterborough and I jumped at it and uh and it was great. We went on that year to win a championship and, you know, still close to a lot of those guys now. And uh, so to come back to a team that you had such fond memories and you had a, like I said, a, such a, you know, great year where you win a championship. Yeah. It, it's, it, it is sometimes you pinch yourself because you, you're like, wow, you know, you're coaching uh, where you played and that's kind of neat. It, that was quite the year to, to make that transition and end up with a franchise like Peterborough, how different was it for you, Rob, in Peterborough versus your years prior in Sudbury? I, I made a lot of good friends in Sudbury, and I enjoyed my time there. It's a great hockey town, too. Uh, but like I said, in those days, especially you're talking the 80s and that, uh, they were they were days where uh, Peterborough was one of those places that, you, you know, majority of the players would have dreamed to play there. And, uh, you know, had such a great reputation and all the – all the players that had gone through and NHL coaches. If you look at the guys that, that coached in Peterborough, like you know, you're talking Scotty Wallman, you're talking, you know, Gary Green, Dick Todd, Mike Keenan, these type of guys. And of course, Roger Nielsen, right? So you're talking about some of the legends of hockey. They all coached in Peterborough. So when, when I came there, Dick traded, traded for me and it was a good year. And then Roger happened to be available that year. Um, and Roger did a lot of work with us that year. He's, you know, he was one of our assistants with Terry Bobert. So, you know, we had a great group of coaches. And, uh, so when, when, uh, when you're around those type of people, um, you know, it's only good things are going to happen. And, and we went on that. I remember that year very well. Kitchener had one of the best teams in the league. Um, they were really, really strong. Um, you know, they had, uh, they were right at the top of the league, uh, all season long and, um, you know, but uh, we ended up winning the championship, so it was a pretty special year. Yeah, your friends from up north, not in Sudbury, but in North Bay, it was Templeton and the Centennials that took the Rangers out that year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, it could be. We played Niagara in the final. Um, we played Niagara in the final. They were stacked. Uh, they had a whole bunch of NHL first-rounders and, uh, you know, really great, really great team there. Uh, we played them in the final, but, um, yeah, it was uh, – it was that when I think back to that year, there was Cornwall was really good. There, you know, Belleville had a good team, and like I said, Niagara Kitchener, London was pretty good, um, and and North Bay. Like there was there was a lot of good teams that year, and uh, we ended up coming out of that uh, from Ontario. So pretty special year. What was it 
about that team, Rob? You know, you look up and down the roster and absolutely a Mike Ricci is going to stand out. But beyond that, it seemed like one of these teams that was just balanced, getting contributions throughout. What made it so special that you basically, you know, as good as Niagara Falls was, you beat them in six. You didn't really get pushed in those playoffs. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't I don't know. We um, we had a very good group of guys. And you always seem to hear that when you hear about teams that won championships. You don't seem to hear, oh, yeah, we, you know, we had seven or eight guys that didn't really fit in or three or four guys that were in their own page or whatever. You don't hear that very often. And, yeah, we reached, you know, he had a big year. He got, you know, 50-plus goals and uh, and uh, was a big part of the group and, uh, you know, was definitely one of the star players or maybe our only star players, you know, like, you know, not no, no offense to other guys, but, uh, but we had a lot of other guys that, that, uh, that mixed in with goals and uh, Ross Wilson and Andy McVicker and, you know, and uh, these type of guys were older guys that, uh, that fit in. We had uh, four older defensemen, um, you know, that played, we had good solid goaltending with top boy soon and Tanner and, and, uh, you know, like I said, we had good coaching around us. We had good toughness. I mean, we had Ty and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and myself would, would drop the gloves and Paul Mitten. So we had, we had a little bit, little bit of everything. It was a different time. So now you wouldn't have maybe three, four guys in your team that dropped the gloves, but, uh, but, uh, you know, that's what was required back then. And, uh, I remember we played Kitchener a couple of games and, uh, during that year and we had some pretty good scraps against them because they had guys, you know, and they had, they had a whole bunch of guys in that team. I remember I fought Rick Elaine and Peter Rowe one of the nights, and and uh, he would run after Ty. So yeah, like it's it's funny you go back on that stuff, and um, you know it was it was different time, but we just I think we just had a good blend of of guys uh, uh, that uh, was some older with an older decor and and some toughness that uh, was all needed at that time. You know, you talk about. Some of those names, I mean, Rick Elaine was as tough as they came out of Kitchener. Ty Domi, it goes without saying, your teammate there in Peterborough. And as you mentioned, you weren't afraid to mix it up. How do you feel about where we're at with the game today, Rob, in terms of that physical aspect to it, which is greatly reduced? It's still there, but it's not even near the same. No, it's completely different and uh, and stuff. And I think probably for the better, when I think back on the majority of it is for the better. I still think physical hockey is really important. It's what it's what the game's made on. And, um, you know, I think maybe during my time, we didn't know any better, to be honest. That was just the way the game was going and started in the 70s. And if you look back, uh, you know, in the 60s and early part of the 70s, before the broad people like guys who led the NHL and fighting majors, like it was, some of them were single digits. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like it was crazy times then of, of you know, in the 50s, 60s and, and, and that in the early 70s. Then in the 70s, it started with the, the, the Flyers and the Big Bad Bruins. And and uh, and then in the 80s, it was all on. Like the 80s was uh, was just a, a different decade, I guess. And, and every team started getting three or four guys that could handle themselves. And it was a big part of the game at that time. I think we're, I think we've come a long way from them. Uh, I don't think, you know, that part is as necessary as it, it was, but I still think, you know, I, I, it's really difficult, like, you know, because 
sometimes a little fight that you still see it now. I know not everyone's for it, but a little fight that, you know, not the plan fighting, a little fight that happens still gets the crowd going, still gets the bench going. Both teams, you know, you don't want to see anyone get hurt or anything like that, but th those type of things I still think uh, can be, can be valuable at certain times from an entertainment point and from a, uh, and from uh, a game point, you know, it's, uh, you know, sometimes somebody gives a cheap shot and, somebody goes and has a word with somebody, it's not the worst thing in the world. And because of that, sometimes other injuries don't happen. So, um, yeah, I think it's come a long way and a long way for the better, uh, to be honest. Um, but it's still nice to see physical play. I agree 100% with your assessment of that for sure. And, you know, I'm, I'm thinking now on a guy that played there, won a championship, coached there and won a championship. There's got to be a, a pretty distinct, home ice advantage there in the PMC doesn't there with those square corners. I mean, you got to be able to use it to the advantage. Yeah, I, I think so. I think there is for sure. And it's funny when, you know, you go to trade for a player and say they come from, you know, some of the more modern rinks now or, or whatever. And they're, you know, you, you're almost saying to them, listen, when you get here, you're going to love this rink. Uh, but you know, you, you, when, before you come here and you play in other teams, you might think, Oh, I don't want to go to Peterborough. I go, and there's a reason for that. You know, it's not always the funnest place to play. And, and you have to use that to your advantage, uh, when you're a home team and, and, um, yeah, there's, there's places on those boards you want to put pucks and there's advantages that come off of, uh, you know, and it, and it's, I say this Kitchener's Kitchener's one for sure, even though it's a, it's a bigger, it's uh, a bigger uh, city and stuff like that. But there's certain cities that are real hockey towns. And and we have a real hockey rink and we have a real hockey town. And I tell the players that, that embrace it. Um, you know, you go down the main streets right now in Peterborough and on all the lampposts, you have a picture of a Peterborough beat. You know, it's a hockey town. It's a hockey community. And um, and uh, I always say, guys, embrace it. Embrace the rink. Uh, and you'll love the rink when you're when you're here. And they do. When you talk to all the players, they actually love the rink. It's, it's a great place to play. What was your Memorial Cup experience like back in 89? Uh, we were, I think, you know, unfortunately, and you don't want to make excuses, uh, but I don't know if everybody knows, Mike Ricci got the chicken pox. And um, so we got out there and he was covered in the head to toe in chicken pox by the time we got there. Uh, we had a couple other guys that were banged up as you, as every team would be when you get there. But I don't know if guys remember when you get the chicken pox, you get exhausted. And all he wanted to do was sleep. And it's not healthy for you to play. Today, they probably wouldn't let him play. Back then, uh, back then uh, they let him play and, and stuff like that. But he was exhausted. And that that was our star player. Other guys in the league, you know, that were star players or other guys are in the Memorial Cup. They, they had their star players, but he was our star player. And, you know, it really, it really hurt us, unfortunately. Um, but what an experience. And you're an OHL champion and you're – going out to the Memorial Cup and my, unfortunately now my, my dad has passed, but you know, my dad was out there and, and loving it. And, and uh, you know, everybody's parents came out and, and it's just, it's just such a great thing. And I mean, you, the problem is with the Memorial Cup, the only thing that, that, um, that, yeah, yeah, kind of 
you feel when it's over. If you don't win, you're feeling a little bit of letdown, and you shouldn't. And but it's hard. It's it's hard not to feel that. But we had such a great experience. Uh, you know, when I, when I look back at it now, you know, Swift Current had had a really bad bus crash a couple of years before us, before that Memorial Cup, and four players lost their life, and and uh, and they ended up winning that year. So when I when I look at that more than anything, uh, of course you want to win, but um you know thankful for that group that they were you know that that happened for them so i, I shared it with my you know i share those memories with with my thoughts with my dad because he was following me everywhere to play so uh i think about that and i think about just the team we had and how good that uh how uh, good that group of guys was together you know rob if there's a universal theme among players who have been involved in this game it's the contributions and support they've received from parents, basically from the first time they put on skates. Yeah. I mean, my, my parents, you know, like I, I can only say like, it's unfortunately they're past and, and uh, I miss them both, but um, you know, they sacrificed a lot. My parents came from Glasgow. So my dad, like he was a big soccer fan. He loved soccer and boxing. Those were his two sports that he loved. And he came to Canada and he fell in love with hockey and couldn't skate. And, uh, and then, so my poor brother was older than me and he didn't really get the same opportunity because at the time when my dad first got it, he was working, working, working. And uh, so he never got the same opportunity. And then by the time I was, uh, by the time I came around, uh, my dad, like I said, was loved hockey and, and I loved it right away. And my, my dad always told the story. My brother was a little less maintenance than I was. My brother never, uh, never complained. I guess that he, he can remember back from like two years old, I was bugging him about a pair of skates and sticks and, and things like that. So I kind of dragged him to the rink and, and, uh, and my brother was just more easy going than I was. So I, uh, I forced, forced their hand and, uh, and made him drag me to drag me or I dragged him to the rink and, and then, you know, the love came from there, but they were, they were so, I mean, they were older. My dad, it's an interesting story. My dad and mom had me at a, a very late in life, um, which in one way was great. I got to spend some quality times as a young guy with, with your parents uh, but always knowing I was going to lose them probably at a younger, younger age than most. So it was tough. It used to weigh on me a lot uh, when I was younger, but uh, the experiences I had with them, my dad was 48 and a half when he had me. My mom was 43. So uh, my dad fought in world war two. He was in the RAF. So um, he, uh, he, he was a mid upper gunner. So he was, he was away at war at 19 years old. And uh, you know, uh, was able to share some experience. Didn't talk a lot about it until his later years, but um, his their their contribution to me was was immense, especially with with hockey. And they they'd be in a car, they wouldn't even tell me. Next minute, I was in Sudbury for three years, and they'd be in North Bay or they'd be wherever you know. And then my dad would drive straight back and go to work half the time from Sudbury, like crazy. When I think about it, you know, you mentioned that World War II experience, and it it makes me reflect on the arena where the Rangers play. And I always make sure I emphasize it's the Memorial auditorium. You're in the Memorial center there in Peterborough and you played in the Memorial cup. I'm not going to be one of these guys calling it the member or the mem cup. It's the Memorial cup. It must've taken on additional meaning for you. 
It does. Absolutely. Remembrance Day is a big day for me. Uh, we uh, we were in Kitchener this year uh, for for the Remembrance Day there. So, yeah, I have a lot of thoughts at that time. And uh, I'm the same as you. It's Memorial Cup to me. Um, uh, you know, Peterborough Memorial Center. Uh, I don't call it the PMC. Uh, and it's and it must be must be just ingrained in me or whatever. But, um, you know, that's that's what I feel. about. Yeah, but it does. It's a you know, people sacrifice so much. And uh, I, like I said, I look at my dad and having, like I was playing junior when he was gone to war, like, you know, what a difference. And, um, and uh, you know, the amount of loss that people feel and have to go through and things like that. So fortunate he was able to come out, out of it. And, uh, and then they, like I said, they moved to Canada and he fell in love with the game of hockey and my nagging got him to take me to the rank. So I love that. I absolutely love it. You you mentioned kind of looking back, Rob, on that Memorial Cup experience. Sure, in the moment you're thinking, boy, I just went through this whole season and all these rounds of playoffs and I wasn't successful, but you can look back on it differently in hindsight. How does it rank that Memorial Cup experience in hindsight with being drafted to the National Hockey League by the Pittsburgh Penguins? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Um I, 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 I really uh, didn't have a great draft experience and I, I wish I would have took it differently then than I did. Um, I was ranked a lot higher in the draft than I went. Um, and I was, um, I was very, uh, I took it very hard. Uh, and I've always said this, it's probably maybe, you know, I can still think about it now and it can still upset me uh, all these years later. Um, and I wish I wouldn't have taken I wish I would have just taken as, hey, I got drafted in the NHL. No, you know, the, there's the next step. And and I didn't. I took it as the fact that I was, uh, that I slipped and I, and I felt, I think it really knocked my confidence. So I tell the story to all the kids I have. Like when I get them here, I tell them, I say, boys, uh, don't, there's guys that, didn't get drafted that year in my draft that played in the national hockey league. And I took it the wrong way. Like, so in your life experiences, I hope that I can help others not to, I remember when, you know, you, you would have heard it too, Don Cherry always said, kids don't go to the draft, you know, kids don't go to the draft. And, you know, you're so excited to go to the draft. It's the NHL draft. And it was in Montreal and, and my parents were there and my aunt was with me. And, and uh, so you're, you know, my brother was there, so you're excited to go to the draft. And, um, you know, and it just it didn't happen the way I was hoping it was going to go. And and uh, but I'm able now to to share that with the kids and say, guys, listen, this you're going to play with guys now that will not get drafted. They're going to play in the NHL. You're going to play with guys now that were first round picks that never made it to the NHL and the sixth rounder made it. So. You know, you got to take the experience uh, day by day and and continue doing things in the right way. And um, I wish I could have gave myself that advice back then, but I I loved it. I was proud that I was, you know, drafted. Uh, I I was when I look at it now, I'm I'm definitely more proud than I was at the time. You're still one of a couple hundred kids that gets drafted in the NHL every year, so that's not a lot when you're looking at worldwide. And and uh, but. Um, uh, you know, I love going to camp and Maryland music camp and these type of guys are there. So, you know, great experiences and, and, and stuff like that. And, and, 
and you know loved loved uh, loved every uh, every experience that, that I had. The question is, Rob, had you been able to give yourself that advice all those years ago, would you even have listened to yourself? Mm, probably not. Yeah. Probably, yeah. probably not. Because uh, I'm sure my dad and my brother must have said it probably a thousand times. Don't worry about it. Big deal. You're 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 going to camp. Like, who cares? You know, but I, I, I really took it hard. I took that day really hard and I took it for many years hard. It bothered me for a long time. And uh, I wish it didn't. Uh, but it did. And uh, like I said, I can think about it today and it can still upset me. So it's funny how things bother you in life. But um, but still proud to be one of those kids to get drafted and to say you're an NHL draft pick. Very few get to say that. So, uh, you know, went to a bunch of camps in the NHL. So, you know what, you have to you have to look at it now with common sense and, and say that, you know, it's still pretty good achievement. You're also a Colonial Cup winner with the Chatham Wheels. You were a point a game player with that team back in the mid 90s yeah you know that's a, a kitchener ranger coach drags me there former kitchener ranger coach again I talked about from the draft. I never got over that, and I didn't get signed with Pittsburgh. Had a really good year in, in Peterborough, um, and really enjoy. And I think you know, not getting signed out of the you know out of that season again had its effects on me, and uh, was struggling with things. And I had just come back from Las Vegas, had their uh, first ever training camp, and Bob Strum was the GM, and he. Uh, called me up and he had drafted me. He was part of the draft in Sudbury. He never actually coached me. That's another story. He never, never made it to camp, but uh, Bob Strum was in, uh, was the GM out there with Butch Goring as the coach. And he offered me, hadn't seen me play in a bunch of years, but it was a little like said to me, like I had played in Brantford for a little bit there. And, and he's like, what are you doing with your career? You're, you're a pretty good hockey player type thing. Or, you know, and he said, I'll give you a 25 game and or come to camp and see if we can resurrect your career. Anyways, I went and camp was great. Kept me around for a long time. Uh, you know, they had so many guys they had signed in the NHL on NHL contracts, older guys. And he's like, you know, they didn't have veteran rules back then like they do now. And he's like, listen, would you go to the coast, you know, and, and we'll probably get you back up here and we'll make a few trades. But I, like I said, I was struggling with myself in hockey at that time. And the same thing happened to me a couple of years earlier where I went to Roanoke. I was in New Haven for a long time and then got sent to Roanoke, went down, you know, pretty much point of game in the coast, had, you know, 100 and whatever minutes, had some scraps and, and you know, got called back up, played three games. My hockey DB is not exactly right. If you look, I never went to the Central League. I never played in half these, half these places that supposedly I played in. It's mixed in with some Western League guy that I don't know. That was named Rob Wilson or something, but uh, but uh, so my hockey DB is not exactly right, but uh, but anyways, it, that, that, I don't care about that now. But came up, played, I think three games in the American League that year, and then sat in the stands again. Again, they didn't have the veteran rule, so I had done that, and then so Bob Strom asked me, you know, and I, I and I credit this ex Kitchener Rangers coach, and I'm going to give you his name, and I'll credit him with um, really the rest of my career and going to Europe and, and coaching and everything because he was a good man and he's the one who kind of got my 
head back around. So I went back home and I was sitting on my parents' porch and Bob Strum called me and said, listen, I think St. John's going to call you. The Leafs are interested. And then that didn't happen. And Bill Waters called and said, I just want to know, you know, um, uh, Bill Water, uh, Bob Strom had put a really good word in for you, but we got too many guys in contract. So I was in the same place and I wanted to be in the American League and I wasn't, I was struggling with that. And I got a phone call and it was from the Chatham Wheels coach and his name was Tom Barrett. And, uh, and Tommy called me and he's a great man and another man that's passed, but um, he, I credit him for really changing my direction and my mind on my whole uh mindset of the game and and he basically just said to me um you know do you want to come play in chatham and i said no not really (laughs) and uh and he said why not and i said i don't know i'm at a crossroads it's not hockey's not working out the way i want it to go and he said well i think you're being a bit hard on yourself and just because you're not the national hockey league or the american league right now doesn't mean you won't be or doesn't mean you can't have a great career and why don't you come play for me in Chatham? And I had, uh, Dave Lorenz was there that I played with in Peterborough. And I knew a bunch of the guys from around and my buddy was the trainer there, Terry Thompson. And he was a trainer there. So they were calling me too. And I was like, Oh, you know what? I hear great things. A guy that played for Tommy and junior, um, uh, Gary Callahan played for Kitchener. He had said to me, Tommy's a great man. And I'd heard really nice things about him. And I thought, you know what? if I'm going to finish up, might as well finish up playing for a guy who's just a, just a good man. And, and guys talk really highly of him and stuff. And I can be around a couple of my friends. And I knew, like I said, knew quite a few guys in the team. So I ended up going and, and had a really good year, had a fun year uh, playing for Tommy and he rejuvenated me. And uh, I had, I actually had a shot uh, to go to, um, to sign over here. And I have to go to Europe. I was British and I went to Europe. And uh, so that's why I say my hockey DB is all wrong. All those teams in between and after I, I never really played in. And, uh, and um, I, uh, but I said, like I said, he, uh, he changed my whole thought process and even was the reason why I started getting into coaching. So I, I had a feeling there would be the, the family connection that gets you back home, so to speak, to, play and then coach and you've had so many coaches I want to explore that but I'm curious you, you mentioned Bob Strum gets you to Sudbury but never ended up he was supposed to coach you there with the Wolves yeah he got hired by Joe Drago to be the coach uh, I don't know the whole I never obviously I was just a kid so sure. I got drafted to Sudbury and um, talked to him in the summertime I was expecting him to be the coach and then he didn't come I uh, don't know if it was family reasons or whatever like I said I was a young guy and uh, met him many years later and uh, brought me to, to Vegas's camp. And, um, and uh, yeah, so that was weird the way that I, and Wayne Maxter ended up being the coach that year uh, and, um, and stuff. So, and Max was like, you know, I, I liked Max. He was good. Like no, no issues there and stuff. Uh, he was only there the one year. Unfortunately, we had a, a lot of coaches in Sudbury at that time. We went through a few and, uh, and stuff. It would have been nice to maybe have, a little bit of uh, familiarity there. Yeah, they were some lean years while you were there for sure. But this also makes me think, we say it all the time, but you're living proof of how small the hockey world really is, right? Strummer comes back and finds you, and that's the connection that leads you to the Colonial Cup, reignites the fire for you, and and the rest, as they say, is history. 
Yeah, and then I went over to the UK, and I had you know a lot of guys were uh, playing over there, and and um, the money was good. Like you know, it was guys were making some pretty good money, and and at that time too, the pound was really strong. The British pound was really strong. So you you know it was like two and a half times what the Canadian dollar is, and you're getting a house and a car. Guys were making good money, and uh, I remember we used to joke about it. Some of the guys used to joke, and we used to say, "God, let's keep this a secret. We don't want too many people to know." <laughs> <laughs> like you know, we used to say that to get. I'm not kidding you. Some of the imports because you know the less competition, the better chance you had to to uh, to make more money. So uh, it was, um, no, it was, it was good times. And I, I had, uh, it got into, it got some really good teams over there by the late nineties. They, uh, they ended up making a super league, what they call the super league and the, and the standard got really high. And, uh, and um, it, it probably really hurt the British players a lot because there wasn't very many of them left that played at that level. They played in the, the league below um, and some of them could have played. There's some really good players over there, but uh, it's hard when you know coaches and general managers can bring in North Americans. They're gonna they're gonna look to do that sometimes. So hard on them. But uh, had some great experiences, great times over there, and um, made a lot of friends. And a lot of friends I'm still tight with today, and and uh, just had great times. You know, for a guy that was kind of adrift for a minute or two in your career after things didn't work out in the national hockey league or the a for, for that matter, you ended up playing like you didn't hang them up till you were in your forties, Rob. How did you keep the fire burning all that time? Well, I was, I was in my late thirties and I was a player coach and, and uh, we didn't have a big budget. So um, it was one way of, of having another player without having to play, you know, pay him kind of thing. So uh <laughs> I don't know if I was very good at the end, um, but uh, I could soak up a few minutes anyways. Um, but that, that, and that was kind of my thing. I remember in my, it was a couple of years after playing for Tommy when I went over uh, and I started doing all my coaching certificates uh, with, with, uh, you know, hockey Canada and all that, getting all that stuff done because I, I knew that I loved the game. And as a kid, I loved the game. Everything in my room was Leafs and NHL. And, uh, you know, I grew up in Toronto and my dad worked downtown. So I was on the subway all the time. And I used to go to the Marley games in the afternoon and I go to the, I get gray tickets for six bucks and sit in the grays and, uh, in Maple Leaf gardens to watch the Leafs. And I come back on the subway and, uh, come back on the subway. My dad would pick me up at the Islington subway station. So I was on that bluer line so much. My dad worked at Bathurst and bluer. So, I was on that constant. I take the subway, meet him. He'd close up, and then we go to my games. And unfortunately, for four years or whatever, I played for the Don Mills Flyers. So we, I played in the East End, but lived in the West End. So we had a lot of driving and a lot of time on the subway. But uh, again, great memories. As a uh, fellow Leafs fan, and then I gotta ask, which year did they break your heart the most? Oh, I, I think the most the, the my favorite year. Um, I would have been 10. My favorite year and most enjoyable year was probably the biggest heartbreak year was 78. And uh, McDonald's scored. I still remember I was in the basement. My parents, my parents were out at, uh, at um, my parents were, were uh, with my other Scottish relatives. They always stuck together and they were all out at some function. And my grandmother was babysitting. My grandmother became a huge hockey fan too. She was British as well, but became a huge hockey fan and uh I was in the basement with my cousin and uh 
and uh, my grandmother and McDonald scored that goal in game seven. I think the whole house almost collapsed. We were so excited. And then we lost four straight to Montreal and it broke my heart. So still, I'm still not happy with the refereeing in that series, even though I was 10. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I'm not happy with the refereeing in 93 either. Kerry Fraser's still on my poop uh, list, if you know what I mean. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tiger Williams got a five minute major for Spear and Larry Robertson during that series. It was a very suspect call and, and I've never forgot it. So it, uh, I, uh, I, I feel the same. So how did you decide that coaching was the way that you were going to stay involved in this game and how difficult was it kind of a two-parter here, but you mentioned getting all those hockey Canada certificates while you're overseas. Yeah, it wasn't that hard. You know, you just did it. And there's a lot of guys that are coaching over there that, come, you know, that helped you through things. So it, that wasn't that hard. I came back in the summer and did the did the stuff, went to Cornwall, did, you know, the different things you needed to do then. Um, I just, like, I, I guess, you know, I've told lots of people, I think to be a coach, you, like to really be a passionate coach, you have to be a hockey nerd. And I really believe that. And I think in anything that you do, uh, you have to be, you know, uh same with yourself you're doing these things you have to love the game or 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 uh you can't be in it and do your job to the best of ability whatever it is in the game and for me I knew I wanted to be in hockey I didn't really want I had a like I said I had a little stretch for a couple of years you know about maybe do I become a fireman do I become a police officer that type of thing I wasn't a I wasn't a lover of school um and um you know, it was uh, it was something that I knew that wasn't going to be something I was interested in and and stuff like that. But you know what? I, I really wanted to be involved in, in hockey and the sport. And, and uh, so I started doing my coaching. And I, I knew, I think, even long before that, I remember I used to, if a coach handed out like a, a sheet or something, I'd store it away. So I got boxes of stuff, you know, from all sorts of coaches I had and and uh, I always stole drills and started pick. I started actually, even when I was still playing, saying, how can I make this drill better? Or what would I do with this drill? And so, like I said, I think to be good at anything, you have to love it. And and I do love the game and I've always loved the game. And actually, I was talking to someone today. Then I just was saying, like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm not looking like people look forward to, say, retirement or whatever. And I'm not even thinking like I want to be involved in the game. So I don't know what my retirement will, will look at look like, but uh, um, I'm hoping I'll be involved in hockey for a long time. So given all those drills, you copied those handouts you saved, are you equal parts, Dick Todd, Roger Nielsen, Wayne Maxner, Tom Webster. I mean, do you borrow from all of these people that you've been around for your career? I think, I think you do. I think you do. You know, you take things and uh, and stuff. I, I hope I don't look like Dick. Um, uh, you know, <laughs> he, he comes in. And, he comes in to see me too often. So uh, I, I'm hoping I still look younger than him. You know, Dick comes in all the time, so I just like to bug him. But uh, but um, yeah, I think you do. I think you take a bit of of everybody, right? I think you you know the good, the bad. You know, you 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 know certain things that you know, and and the guys that coach me, obviously wouldn't be able to coach the same way and they would have evolved. Uh, they were all smart people. They would have evolved. The coaching's changed just like the game has changed. And, and, um, and I think for the better too, like I, I, I really do. Everyone goes on. I really get a kick out of everybody, 
you know, you go back in history, I'm sure every generation does this, but I, all the kids today, when they probably said that the kids today, when I was a kid and the kids today and the kids today, and you know, uh, I just think the kids today are just way more educated than we were. Uh, I think they're better for it. I think that um, they ask questions, they want answers and, and they deserve, I would never have talked. I would never have asked if Dick Todd called me into his office. I was like, Oh no, what have I done? You know, it was never like you were never going in to have a conversation about the game or whatever. It just wasn't done then, right? You just didn't do that and you didn't ask questions. And um, now these kids, they ask questions all the time and I love it. And they're texting, coach, can I get some extra video? Coach, can I do that? And I think it's great. And uh, I'm glad the game has evolved like that. So I, I'm actually an advocate of of the way the kids are today. I actually think and, and I want them to, and I encourage my own kids to, to ask as many questions as you can, you know, that, that's, you're, you're there to learn. It sounds like it's a, an approach where you're doing as much listening as you are talking slash teaching. Well, it's funny. I, I, people ask me today what, what they think the number one thing is a coach, a successful coach is today. And I said, a good listening. And I, and I really mean that. I, I think that's, you have to be a good listener to your players, to your coaching staff, um, you know, you, you, you want to be closed minded and you're going to, you're going to, um, do everything your way and you're the boss and all that. I don't think that works today. I think that's not the way it is. Obviously you have to be the leader. I think, uh, coaching is all about leadership and coaching is all about, uh, listening. How did you make your way back to Peterborough from overseas? Um, I was loving Europe. I was in Germany in a great spot in Nuremberg. Had some real success there. Had uh, really good teams. Uh, was really enjoying it. Um, and I was, um, I got a phone call at some point during that year. Um, one of the guys I played with, Dave Lorenz, is, was on the board. He's a Kitchener native. Um, he's on the board in Peterborough at the time and my uh, and another gentleman who's on the board is uh, Dr. Bob Neville and he's one of the governors in the league and and he delivered both my my daughters Jessica and Lindsay and um so we had good relationships and and they had reached out um and said you know would there be any interest of coming back and and I said well there's always interest you know it's it's you know after I play, after I grew up and lived in Toronto I bought a cottage here and now I built a house on the I have a house on the lake here and um and so you know always came back to it in the summer and and uh, you know i just we started thinking about it and and uh we decided that you know what yeah that's that's explore it and then from there i started talking to mike oak and and um and uh the rest is history i guess we just decided that uh, this was a good move and for you know what it was hard because um and you'll you'll recall this, and I don't think I'm making anyone feel bad here. I, there was a lot of um, talk that Peterborough wasn't the same as it used to be, and and um, and that kind of bothered me a little bit. And I, I had people say, "No, I wouldn't go back there," and "No, don't go there," and you know, this and that. And I just and I I don't believe it. It's a great hockey town, and and uh, I, I wouldn't buy that. Peterborough couldn't win again or players didn't want to play there. I just couldn't, 
I couldn't fathom it in my mind because I know how desperate I was to come to Peterborough that year when, you know, to, to win and, and the memories I had. So um, I came back and I said, this is, this is the direction I, you know, that we want to go in and, and uh, started working with the board and Mike and, and trying to build a program here. And, uh, and we've had some good success. Uh, yeah, you have. So did you look back at any of those people that were saying, no, no, you don't want to go to Peterborough and say, I told you so after last year's run? Uh, no, no, I wouldn't say that. You just kind of in your own, I think I'm getting kicked off. You're good so far. Okay, good. I just, is it better if I turn it there for some yeah, reason? That... Sure. Um, so yeah, no, they, um, they, uh, we had this, uh, really good run last year, but, you know what? Uh, it always comes back to, for me anyways, it's it's all about um, not really saying to anybody, I told you so. Just you, you kind of look at yourself and you say, okay, you, you said you could do this and you feel good about it. And and uh, and that's more the way I feel about it. I just, I really believe that, that this could, this, this franchise could win. And, uh, and I, and I, like I said, I just would not take that the, the rumors that, oh, well, you know, guys won't come to Peterborough. They don't want the, – the top players don't want to play there. And I'm like, well, it's an hour and 20 minutes from the biggest city in Canada, the biggest hockey city in Canada, uh, with all the media. Um, and it's the Peterborough Peets. Uh, I don't I don't believe that. And uh, and I'm glad because we've proven that a lot of guys want to come. And, and uh, now I believe it's – hopefully, anyway, I, I feel it's a destination spot again. So that run last year – proves your point for sure the brennan offman deal comes in november but a lot of people rob and i'll count myself among them i got to be honest about this we're wondering what's going on why isn't it all coming together for the peterborough peets and you finish the regular season in in fourth and then of course go out and, and sweep the sudbury wolves in round number one was that the moment that this team kind of all came together or did you recognize it earlier like what was it like for you behind the bench yeah, you know, I, I'm a big, really huge believer in adversity during the year. And you look back to teams that have had so much regular season success. Look at the President Trophies winners in the NHL, and they get knocked out in the first round or the second round or whatever. And it happens in junior too, every single year. And if you have no adversity, I don't believe when hard times come, you can win. And I really, really believe that. Um, you know, and I... We were going through some tough times. We had a lot of really good hockey players. And we brought in, you know, guys like Otter and uh, and Becker and Hazy and Whitey and these guys. We brought these guys in and we brought in Stiller the year before and we brought in Lockie in the summer. And so we were building it for, you know, um, for well over, uh, you know, like a year and a half, as you do in junior. You're planning, you know, your runs a couple of years out and you're looking at what you want to do. So we had brought these guys in. Well, that's a lot of personality and a lot of really high end talent in their last year of junior. Um, and they're all, you know, along with guys that we had like J.R. Avon and Tucker Robertson and our decor and, and our goaltending. And so we, we had a lot of personalities that were trying to mix together in a very short time. And, you know, Kitchener, Kitchener brought in a lot of players and, you know, London and we, we know Sarnia and all these teams brought in a lot of players in Ottawa and stuff. And it takes time for things to mix and gel and everything else. And, and personalities come a long way 
um, they have to come a long way um, and they have to find a way to work together. And if they do, you're going to have success more times than not. And if they don't, you're probably not. And eventually, whenever it is, round one or three or whatever, it's not going to work. So um, we looked at we looked at the players we had. We knew we had a lot of talent. We knew we had a great mix of physicality with skill, uh, competitiveness. And a lot of that competitiveness during the year was guys wanting to be in certain spots, playing on certain lines, doing certain things. And 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 it's normal. And, and I totally understand that from the player's point of view. It's not like you're not understanding that. It's just you're trying to find the right balance and how to make certain guys um, mesh and gel and, and how the team's going to come together. And I'd say about three weeks before the end of the year, I just felt, I don't know, a shift um, – our practices, our energy and practices were more intense. Our video meetings were more serious. Guys were more dialed in on, on our meetings and, and everything. And I remember talking to the other coaches and saying, if, if we can have a good start, you know, if we can be one and one in the, in the series to start against whoever it is in our opening start, this team's going to go a long way. And we won the first two games and we went to Sudbury and you, you know, you can look back now, but, we went with an air of confidence into into game three in Sudbury, and they were a really good team. And they were physical, and they they played hard. That was a hard series. We won four straight, but that was a hard series. And uh, they threw everything at us, and and um, we uh, we end up winning four straight. And from that moment on, um, I just felt our whole the whole shift came, and and um, we went into Ottawa. And, we weren't the favorite, but I think in our room and in the coaching group, we felt like we were the favorite. It's, it was a weird uh, kind of sense. And, and um, we lost game one uh, by a bit of a fluky goal. And we, I went in the room after the game and, and uh, I said, really, this is supposedly the best team in the league. Really? You, you guys tell me we can't do this. And we went and we won the next three straight. And then we ended up winning in six. Um, but we we just we had a really good blend and uh i think again like game one against ottawa like i thought we pushed a lot of the pace of the game and and uh we just didn't get the win and that happens and you got to remember that it's a series and, and we had some big bodies too and guys that can endure uh physicality and and guys that could endure a series um and a run and uh, and we had a really high compete. Our guys, we had really high compete in that dressing room. And I think when that all came together and they all bought into the structure, um, we were really difficult to play against. You had to win a game six at home to keep yourself alive versus North Bay in the conference final. Was that the moment? I mean, what, what was it like before that game? And I guess again in Game Seven, like you're you're do or die in both of those games. Yeah, we we had uh, we had Game Game Six at home, and North Bay was really good. I really liked North Bay last year, and I think they did a great job there. And that was a very very hard series. But Mike Oak and I were talking the day before, and we had talked about, you know what? We're loading up the bus and we're parking it outside the rink. When the players come into the rink, they see the bus is ready to go. We're going to Bay for game seven. This is before game six started.
me being me, Mike being probably a little bit more politically correct than I am at times, or doing the, the nice things, he's probably does the nice thing. I wanted to park it on the other side of the rink, right in front of North Bay's room, but but uh, Mike thought we, we would have to be a little bit more respectful and park it on our side. But I, I wanted, we wanted a message to the players that, you know what, we're going to North Bay for game seven. Like this is we're, we know we're winning at home. We don't lose at home. We had a great run of games at home. So uh, we uh, we parked the bus out. So when the players came in, we had already said, put your pillows on, put your suits on, whatever, put your your road stuff on and put it on the bus because we're heading out right after food's already ordered. We'll be on the bus eating and we're going. So we took that mentality into game six. We won game six, got up to North Bay, and that was a really hard-fought game. And Sean Spearn, our captain, broke his jaw in that game, took a slap shot to the face, blocking a puck. Um, it was actually the second block, I think, that of the puck. He, he blocked one about two shifts earlier that hit him in the face, too. And then he blocked another one with his face and broke his jaw. Uh, and uh, at the end of the game, I remember, I think it was Jax Dubois and Tucker Robertson and maybe Hazy diving in front of a shot. Like, you know, they were all fighting to dive in front of the puck. And we, you know, they just, they, they had the will to win. And, uh, and uh, we won that game and Stiller came out with, Sean was in the hospital and Stiller came out with, uh, with Sean's uh, jersey and dripped it over the, the uh the cup there the the bobby Orr, and and um we uh we got our picture with it and we knew that the job wasn't done but it was a pretty good moment yeah because we for your reward you get the mighty mighty london knights in the ohl final and not a lot of teams get uh, a lot of credit against london because london just does what london has done traditionally certainly over the last couple of decades and win did you still have that confidence going against the juggernaut from the west I knew it was going to be tough, you know, let's not kid ourselves. I knew it was going to be really tough. Um, um, Dale has that team dialed in and, and, uh, and they play a certain way and they're not easy to beat. And they had picked up some really good players as well. Um, so it was a very difficult challenge, but I think kind of felt the same. Um, we went through game one, lost and had kind of the same kind of meeting. Like, okay, like, what's stopping us? Who's going to stop us? The only people who are going to stop is us. We have to bring it. And again, we went on and won the next three and went to London. They played great. They they played great in game five and came back to game six. Uh, we were shorthanded. Becker got suspended, and uh, and uh, and we were we were shorthanded for, for game six. Um, but... Uh, our guys just went out and, and, and fought really, really hard. And, and we scored timely goals. I think back to some, uh, and that, that's a huge thing in playoffs. Uh, I mean, London was, it was so difficult, but I think of Otter and Hazy scored some huge timely goals, just some, you know, JR in, in North Bay and, and, and just different, just different goals that we, we end up getting Tucker's overtime winner. And I think it was game, um, you know, game, uh, I think it was game three, um, you know, just such timely goals that, um, that, you know, and you need that in timely, timely plays, blocks, saves, all those sort of things. And we went on to, to defeat London in six, but it was definitely, and no, there was no easy. I can't, you know, sometimes you'll go through a playoff run. You go, you know what that series had, we didn't really, 
that one uh, wasn't that difficult or, you know, we, we seemed to have our way with them. We, we didn't have that. We had a very, we had a very difficult run from Sudbury to Ottawa to North Bay to London and, uh, and all of them were hard. How much did you lean on your Memorial Cup experience as a player when you went back last year as the coach of that same franchise? Well, unfortunately, it was uh, a third of a century ago. <laughs> so, so, uh, you don't lean on it as much as you maybe like. Um, I just said to them, enjoy it. You know, whatever happens, it's going to be over quick. You can't, you can't sit here and dwell. It's one game series. Um, you know, I thought we played really well in, against Seattle in game one. And uh, they, again, timely goal. Uh, and it turned the game for them. Um, and we had to come back the next afternoon and play. Um, we had to play the next afternoon against Kamloops, the home team in the afternoon. And that was just a really tall order. We didn't have a great schedule. And that's not an excuse. That's just the fact. And we, we got in and we looked really tired and we were beat up from the Londons and the North Bays and so on. So, uh, you know, we were down two nothing. The tournament just got started and we're already down two games to nothing. So we had a big, we had a, the players actually had a little, players being I said boys you know you won't get this back you know this will never come back so you you don't want to end it this way um and then they had a players meeting and and talked about it and just you know saying like you know we're here like that's not you know let's just go out whatever happens go out the right way and that was kind of the message from the coaches too it's okay I'm, we're proud of everything we've done like, there's nothing not to be proud of but let's try and you know we're not out of this you're not out of it until they say it's over and I knew that Patrick Wall wanted to go undefeated. I had heard somebody tell me that he was saying that he wanted to go undefeated. So I said, you're not going to get a gimme tomorrow when you play Quebec. It's just not his style. It's not who he is. So uh, we went out and played a really good game. And uh, and we ended up beating Quebec. And that got us to play uh, Kamloops again. Uh, had a huge overtime win against them. Uh, but the, the days were starting to, to add up on us and the time we got, I mean, we were actually leading twice in that game against Seattle uh, in the semifinals, but we, we started looking heavy legged. I remember being on the bench to the other coaches and, and talking about that saying, guys, like, you know, we, we have to be smart here with what we're doing with our forechecking and, and we can't expend energy and we can't, you know, we have to be. And uh, unfortunately we just, we didn't have the legs against a great team. Seattle was a really good team. And uh, at that at that stage, you know, I mean, Kamloops was a great team. Uh, at that stage, all the teams are really, really good. And um, you know what? Really proud of the group. Proud of, you know, it was a little bit, um, uh, a little bit, I'll say, uh, um, you know, it proved that these guys would never quit. You know, it's so easy to just to walk out there after what happened to us the first two days to walk out and say, Oh, this is over, but they didn't. And, uh, it was a great experience. I think each of them will be proud of what they achieved out there. Um, and I know they're super proud of what we achieved in the, on the whole run. You were talking earlier, Rob, about how you start putting a team like this together, you know, junior hockey, you're looking at the pieces and when the team's going to mature. So 18 months, even two years ahead, how closely are you as the head coach working with general manager Mike Oak as the team's being built? 
Oh, really close. I mean, you know, you're 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 constantly talking about players, and hey, he'd be a good guy. I like the way this kid looks. He's 17 now, and we're looking at a run in two years. I like he could be a guy we should be looking at going after if he keeps maturing and and things like that. Or this guy might be a sneaky one that slips, you know, slips through the cracks. Or so you're constantly looking at guys, constantly having discussions, um, you know, feeding off uh, everyone's knowledge. Um, and, uh, I'm a big believer in, uh, I'm not a guy who just likes to sit there. I can't go, you know, just go off, uh, off the seat of my pants and just like, you know, just, we're, here we go. We're just, we're going, I, I really like to talk and plan and I want opinions. Like, uh, I really do. I, I, well, it goes back to listening, right? I really think I'll ask my video coach. A lot of coaches probably don't sit there and talk to their video coach. What do you think about this guy? I, I want his opinion. I want my other coach's opinion. I want Mike's opinion. You know, I want I want uh, the scouts' opinions. I want to hear. I might not agree with it, and that's okay. I don't want you to agree with me. I want your opinion, and maybe maybe you're right, and maybe I've got to find a way that makes me see what this player can bring or or whatever. So, uh, I think it's a con- ongoing thing, and uh, I don't think it really stops. So, did. You guys just not get the memo in Peterborough for this year after you make your championship run. There's supposed to be this little step back and a rebuilding process, et cetera. And all of a sudden, I mean, it's frankly one of the teams along probably with Kitchener that the league is talking about this year, the Peterborough Peets. And how is it that they're running at the top of the conference? Um, you know what? We had, I think, some players that went through the experience that didn't play as much. Um, and probably same with Kitchener having, you know, guys that, uh, were around watching some pretty good players. Um, you know, they got some experience with, with the run last year. Um, you know, we had some younger guys that were, you know, biting at the chance, but understanding what it was going to mean, you know, and then you get some experience D back with, with Becker and guys like that, that, you know, coming back to your team, um, you know, Dubois and Mele, I think are undervalued players around the league, people don't realize what they bring to us. Um, you know, so all those things I think are, are part of it. We've had a bit of a skid lately. I think we, we looked a bit tired in the last four or five games. Um, you know, but that's, that's fine. That happens again, adversity. I'm always, uh, always talking about that with the players and it's how you, how you climb out of it and grind out of things that, that really defines your team. Um, so I think that, yeah, we just, I, I remember we were went into Ottawa at the start of the year and I think Ottawa was ranked in the first power ranking right up there and they're one of our rivals. So I basically, you know, challenged them and right at the beginning of the year, I said, well, you're just going to, you know, accept the fact that you're supposed to be a team in the bottom four in the power rank, you know, cause kids look at, I don't care about that stuff, but kids, they do, they look at it and, um, and they're like, well, I, you know, the one media guy said we're going to get the first overall pick. I don't know what it was, but that was their talk, right? And I said, well, prove them wrong. I was like, no, we're going to come into Ottawa here and we're going to win today. And we went into Ottawa and we won. And and that's not easy to do. Great team, good coach, like you know, they they they, they like that's not easy to do. So, um, and from there we just started this thing that we, you know, we were we were going to be uh, the David. Uh, we knew we weren't the Goliath, so we were going to be David, and uh, and we've kind of just went with that. I think I wish the 
power rankings didn't come out a couple weeks ago because I think we looked at that. And we thought, hey, we're pretty good. And uh, so we've addressed that lately by saying that let's get back to being what we really are. We're a hardworking team. And, I mean, one of my favorite games of the year, we lost 4 nothing, but I thought we played great in Kitchener. That we outshot Kitchener close to two to one. I thought we dominated possession. I like. I really liked our game, but Kitchener's got some really high end players that that scored when they needed to, and and they got the win. But I loved our game, and I like. I actually like Kitchener's team, um, but I thought we played really well in Kitchener. And so, as a coach, you can go sometimes and you can go, "Hey, we lost four nothing, but I was really happy with that performance." Or you won, and you weren't very happy with the performance. And and I and uh, lately, I haven't been that thrilled with with our performance. I think we just. We just got to get back to to uh, back to what we are, and and that w- that's what brings us success. How much does your approach change as a coach, Rob, when you've got a team? No disrespect, but with less talent. All those guys you added last year to make a championship run, deep experience, a lot of talent, a lot of skill. How do you yep. approach the coaching of a more youthful, less talented team this year? Um. I think, you know, you, 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 you have to probably have a little bit different, uh, your structure changes a little bit. Um, you know, your offensive thoughts and plays and face-off plays might change a bit. Uh, you know, those type of, those type of risk plays that you might do with more skilled players, they have to probably change a little bit. Uh, but on the overall, it's, it's, it, this game's still built on compete. And, uh, I've said many times with a lot of people, and I really believe it, like talent is huge. It's so important, but it also can be overrated. You know, it also can be overrated if you don't have compete. And, you know, I, I look at guys that we brought in and, uh, you know, I, guys that come to mind that that we brought in, like one of the things we wanted to do was bring guys in with high compete. You know, we brought Stiller and he plays hard plays a heavy game, brought Becker in, plays a heavy game. People, yeah, Otter's got a lot of talent, but he also plays a heavy game and he's got a, a nasty streak to his game. And and uh, Hazy plays a heavy game. He's not the biggest guy, but he's super ultra competitive. And, and you know, and then we had other guys on the team that that played that way. And um, I, 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 yeah, they're all talented guys. Every guy I just mentioned has talent, but they have high compete. And I think, that um, that uh, if you have talented players that don't have that same compete, it becomes overrated. You need that work rate, and if you have the work rate, eventually the talent will, f- will find its way to to bring you success. It sounds a little bit like you're creating that culture of who the Peterborough Peets are that you made reference to way back when you came over as a coach. And some people were saying, "No, no, you don't you don't want to go there." The, the Peterborough Peets have an identity. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would take that. Yeah, I, I, I think we do. I don't think, I don't think we're the most loved organization by other teams. Uh, maybe that's because I'm not that popular. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but, uh, but you know what? I, I don't really care. I'm not, I'm not here. I away from the rink. You want to have a coffee, and and I, I, I think I'm a pretty good host, and would invite most people to my home and things like that. But at the rink, uh, you know, when it comes to that, I, I want us to be, I don't want us to be a nice team. I don't want people to say, Oh, I love playing Peterborough. I don't want to, uh, to, I, I, I like when they come to the Memorial center and it's like, Oh my gosh, we're in Peterborough again. This is going to be ice bags leaving the rink. That's the way I believe the game's supposed to be played. It's supposed to be played hard and competitive and, 
And uh, yeah, I, I wasn't. I, I know a few years ago, I'm, I'm sure that Hamilton wasn't happy with us. They had that great team. We had traded Mason there. And when we talked to Hazy, I remember talking to Mason at the end of that season. I wished him uh, uh, good luck going for the draft. And we had a little conversation. Um, and I mean, not for the draft, for the Memorial Cup. And um, we had a little conversation. He just said, that series with you guys was hell. Like, it was like, and we made it hell. We knew we were going against uh, an opponent that was so much more talented. But I, I said to them, what, are we just going to give it to them? Is that what you want to do? Just just here, we're going to lay down and say, okay, here you go, Hamilton. No, and then when we got Hazy and Whitey last year, they were like, oh, my God, that was just an awful series. They hated it. Like, you know, like, but I think we helped them have success. And if I'm being honest, and when I when I talked to those guys, uh, they would agree, that, you know, we we weren't going to just roll over uh, for anybody, and and uh, and they were such a great team. That Hamilton team was so good, and 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 uh, I sent uh, Steve Stavos and uh, Jamie K congratulational text after like uh, that was a great team that they had, and they did a great job there. But still, it, it just it's not in the character of what I want the Peter Peets to be. I don't, I don't want anyone thinking that this is going to be easy at any time, no matter what the names on the Jersey is. And, uh, and yeah, that would, that's the identity I want here. So popularity, maybe not. <laughs> I, I've kept you a long time, Rob, just one more thing before I finally let you go. And I thought of it when you mentioned how you had a cottage in Peterborough. Now you've built a home up there on the lake. You kept coming back to the cottage in, in the summertime. Uh, we'll interrupt this conversation for a little bit of the uh, Peterborough Tourism Commission. What a gorgeous area you get to be in. And when you're attracting players there, oh my goodness, an awesome spot. Yeah, and you know, we try and have a practice on the rink outside the house. I'll, I'll show you just quickly. It's, um, yeah, I, I'm very fortunate. I'm very fortunate. I'll uh, take you out to, to the balcony here, but this is what I... But I, if I'm looking out in the distance, you'll see why. It's a pretty pretty amazing spot I have and great look. There's my dog going crazy, but that's what I look at every day. Oh, my word. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. And so they'll come out here and have a practice on the water, on the lake. So I build right so where my dock is, I put yep. lights on it. And then I build, you know, not a 200-foot rink, but a pretty big one. And uh, we'll try and if the weather's conducive, we'll have them out here and we'll We'll practice, you know, if I can get a couple of days, I'll buy a whole bunch of pizza and, and stuff like that. And we'll have a big, I got the fire pit down there. So we'll have the big bomb fire and some of the other coaches will bring over like snowmobiles and stuff. Cause you get the whole rink freezes and right over there in that middle, that middle kind of patch where those islands are, there's a ton of fishing huts. So there's probably say a hundred fishing huts that, that open up there. So it, there's a ton of life on the lake. So there's snowmobile constantly. There's, so the kids really love it. That is fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, if you were going to go straight over these trees, the far trees, straight over, that would take you right into the center of Peterborough. About 25 minutes. I'm only about 25-minute drive. I am so jealous. I am so jealous. I'm stuck here in all this damn traffic and all, you know, all this stuff here. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm pretty – it's worked out pretty good. I'm pretty fortunate, Bill. Well, listen, you've been uh, very generous with your time. I really appreciate this, Rob, and uh, continued success with the Pete's. I do have a soft spot for the organization. I do. And, uh, of course, that's except for the two times a year we play each other, okay? Yeah, well, that's that's understandable, and <laughs> uh, and I feel the same. So, uh, actually, Kitchener is such a great organization. It really is. And 
I don't need to need to tell you that. So uh, we're pretty pretty fortunate to be involved with two of the two of the best. We certainly are. Thanks again for this, and I look forward to seeing you down the road. Take care. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.